Hello and welcome to the Power on the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line, I've got a very under-the-weather Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? No, I'm battling on here, Winnow. Um, yeah, Herculean been, uh, performance, Caddy. <laughs> escaped escaped the, the COVID for a couple of years. I don't, haven't quite got to that point, I don't think, but um, yeah, it's just, um, you, you know, you've known me for a long time, and I've seldom not had a head cold or a flu, but um, the last couple of years I've been able to, um, yeah, it's probably the healthiest I've ever been, but um out and about again over the weekend and probably on the piss and um, yeah, some loogie up on the, on the weekend. But, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll battle on bravely. Well, I, I had my Jordan flu game earlier on in the season, Caddy, when I when I did the uh, podcast with COVID. And it sounds like you're going to give us your Jordan flu game tonight. So I'm expecting you to still be at the top of your game, Caddy. So <laughs> let's see how you go. We've got a lot to get through as we did last week. We've got all eight series to touch on. <laughs> Couple of series now uh, have ended after after today's proceedings. So we'll jump into straight into the East and, and start with the one v eight series, which did conclude today. Miami versus Atlanta. So last time we'd spoke, there'd been two games down, and Miami had won both of those. But game three, Atlanta bounced back one eleven one ten on a Trey Young floater that uh, got him across the line. Game four, it was Miami one ten eighty six, and then today in game five, Miami. Sands, uh, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler managed to get across the line 97-94. Now, Atlanta were missing Bogdanovich and we did see Clint Capella exit the game early, but still still a very disappointing result, I think, for Atlanta to lose today, given Miami, who had Miami had out and given how good Jimmy Butler had been in those first four games. And I guess, Caddy, again, the story this week, as, as it was last week, is the form of Trey Young. So we saw him... In the last two games, in game four, he, he had nine points and five assists, three of 11 from the field and three of 10 from three. So he only shot one one field goal that wasn't a three-point attempt and we only saw him attempt one free throw. So we know Trey Young's game is getting into the paint and, and kicking out the shooters or getting to the free throw line and we just didn't see that at all in game four. And then today in game five, a must-win game, obviously, 11 points, eight rebounds, six assists. He was two of 12 from the field and 0 of five from three and... Throughout this series, Caddy had more turnovers, 30, than made field goals, which was 22, so quite comfortably had more turnovers. So, Caddy, have we seen the, the Trey Young bubble burst a little bit, or can we just put this down to a bit of aber- an aberration and the fact that he's come up against what is arguably the best defence uh, in the land in Miami Heat? Yeah, possibly, but look, I, don't, I think if they were playing, you know, whether it be Milwaukee or Boston, I think their defence has been just as sharp in these playoffs, so I don't think you would have found it particularly easy against any of those opposition as well. So I, I think, yeah, it's been a disappointing postseason, absolutely. And I think maybe just the grind that they had to kind of have towards the end of the season in, in just making the playoffs sort of came back and, and, and bit them here and, and Trey Young in particular. But I mean, as you mentioned, with the outs that Miami had, there was plenty of opportunity there for Atlanta today in particular to, to try and, you know, extend the series and, and, and a bit of a window for, for Trey Young to try and find some form. But yeah, just couldn't get rolling really at all in the series and if it wasn't for John Jay Hunter in today's game putting up you know a monster game really uh, they would have been well out of the contest but I think the story really for me is around this Miami team and, and and really the depth that we have touched on a lot this year and we're wondering how the playoff rotation was going to sort of cut, come together and, and which sort of eight or nine players would, would be part of it but um, yeah it just showed today that you can never probably have too much depth with um, yeah, missing Butler and Lowry then all of a sudden, it's Oladipo that's come in and um, you know played almost a starring role in the last couple of games and well supported by Max Struess as well and um, yeah, they're just getting plenty of production all the way through their through their roster, which is you know why they you know were so intimidating as a, as a lineup all season and, and why they're probably favoured really you know continue to to push through this Eastern Conference. Yeah, it, it was super impressive, as you said, to be able to cover the losses of both Lowry and Butler. We saw Lowry miss game four as well with that hamstring strain. Hopefully, for Miami Heat's sake, he's due back out, out on the court uh, shortly. And and Butler, seems like it's a day-to-day thing. I think if, if it was a, a game six um, and, and it was 3-2, you'd reckon he probably would have been out there. But I think given they had that little bit of a cushion going into the game 3-1, they probably rolled the dice a little bit, hoped that they could get across the line, which they did. And it'll obviously give them uh, give Butler uh, a bit more time to recover leading in, into the into the round two series because he's been outstanding so far. Arguably, probably along with Tatum, the, the player of and Giannis, I guess as well, the player of the playoffs so far. But yeah, I totally agree that the depth has really 
really shone through. You know, we spoke about Oladipo last week, not really in the rotation through the first couple of games, but then having to step up in a starting role today and, and, and score 23 points, you know, that's fantastic. You would think he would probably, and you asked me a few weeks ago how it would go originally, and I, and I said I thought he wouldn't be in the rotation, but maybe he'd get a chance throughout the playoffs and earn uh, Spolstra's trust and then and then stick in the rotation. So maybe that's the way it's going to go now. But, yeah, just an impressive series by Amy. We didn't even really see the best of Bam at a bio offensively, probably until today. Now, he was recovering from uh, COVID, much like yourself at the moment, Caddy, <laughs> heading into, into the start of this series. So maybe it took him a little while to find his feet, and he certainly probably got a few more opportunities today given who was out of the lineup. But it was good to see him get his offensive game going and, you know, you touched on Struis and, you know, we saw Hero continue to be pretty good <laughs> off the bench as well. But j- just swinging back to Atlanta, Caddy, that they've got a really interesting off-season for me now. How do they – what do they do with this roster? Do they do they back in Trey Young as the guy that they want to surround with and and, and, and look to make a, a, a three-for-one trade or something? They've been probably the prime candidate right throughout the year to do something like that given some of the guys they've got in their roster – and I, and I did sort of highlight DeAndre Hunter last week that we wanted to see more from him. And we saw him today, unfortunately, fouled out in the end, but 35 points was was really good. And he ended up being their leading scorer throughout these series. So maybe he's taken that next step up for him. But, you know, we've got John Collins, Capella, Kevin Herter, DeLon Wright, Gallinari, who they can look to move on, Congru, who they've got a lot of confidence in as their centre of the future. So they've got a few moving pieces heading into the offseason. What do you think they're going to do, Caddy, and what do you think they should do? Yeah, look, I think we had this conversation last year, and I, I was certainly of the opinion at that point that they should stick, stick, to, stay the course and stick to the plan and, and continue to play the young players. Now they kind of deviated a little bit during the season with the trade of Cam Reddish to to New York, and I think now the time is probably right to to sort of cash in a few of the, these chips in terms of the amount of depth on the roster and the amount of salary that that he's sitting there. And I think that three for one type trade. Um, excluding Trey, and I think he's still the guy they've got to kind of build build this thing around. But if they can package up, whether it is a John Collins or a Bogdanovich with a, a Kevin Herter as an example and a draft pick, and then you know you might get into it, you know, a Donovan Mitchell type setup where you could you know at least get a star player back potentially from from somewhere. So I think that's probably the next move for Atlanta now is to to say, look, you know, we haven't quite got to where we wanted to do with this group, um, and is there enough improvement left? in terms of, you know, being able to continue the path onwards. And I'd suggest, you know, before they've really got to extend um, a few of their longer-term players, which they've they've done most of them now. They've, it's just DeAndre Hunter's probably the last one that hasn't had the, the big extension put in front of him, which he, he will get. Uh, they've already extended Herder. They've already extended uh, John Collins and Trey Young. So it's really now just DeAndre Hunter's the last guy that will be looking for the big the big dollars, and I think before they get to that point, they'll have to look to move some salary uh, to make sure they can either pay him or, or at least sign and trade him. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the three-for-one deal for me definitely has to come into play in the off-season. So along with a couple of other teams we're going to chat about, for me, Atlanta have a very interesting off-season. Obviously a disappointing end to the season, making the Eastern Conference Finals last year was probably above really where they were last year, but to fall all the way back to it, to a playing win to get into that eighth seed and then and then sort of go out so meekly. Very disappointing. So they've got a, a lot to address in the offseason. Another team, Caddy, that might have a little bit to address in the offseason is the is the Brooklyn Nets. Now they last time we spoke, it was only after game one and we said, you know, what a series this is going to be. I think you rightly actually predict uh, predicted that maybe it wouldn't be a long series. It could be one of those series where every game's close, but you know, maybe Brooklyn don't win any of those games, and that's the way it turned out. So they were eliminated in Game 4 yesterday, 116-112. And I guess, Caddy, the, the biggest the biggest question mark for me from this series is is the play of Kyrie Irving. Now he's a free agent in the offseason. He, he can opt into a contract, but you'd, you'd imagine he'd try and opt out and, and try and get a long-term deal. Just his last uh, three games, 10 points on 4 of 13 shooting, 16 points on 6 of 17 shooting, and 20 points yesterday in an absolute must-win game on 6 of 13 shooting. Now, Bill Simmons tweeted yesterday. Now, keep in mind, he's a massive Boston Celtics fan, so probably not the biggest fan of Kyrie Irving, but he just tweeted out some of uh, Kyrie Irving's playoff stats since he left LeBron. So he's played 22 playoff games and missed 22 playoff games. 
He's he's averaged 22, 5 and 5 at 43, 35, 93 splits. So nothing absolutely outstanding. Two and three in playoff series. And then in the regular season, over the last five seasons, he's missed 164 regular season games. And he's made one second team all NBA and two third team all NBA. So they can sign him to a to a four-year max or they can sign and trade him. You know, we even heard him. He's he's got to be one of the most least least self-aware players going around, doesn't he, Caddy? He was talking yes or two days ago before game four, I think it was, about, you know, the continuity that Boston have had and and uh, Brooklyn haven't had the luxury of having any continuity this year. Does he realise that the reason they haven't had that is because he's been sitting at home for half the games? Like, what the hell are you talking about? And then yesterday after they lose, he, he sort of come out and said that, you know, him and Durant would be discussing the future with Joe Sy and, and the front office. And it's like, what, do you understand where you sit in the scheme of things at Brooklyn? I don't think he quite gets it. But what, what do you think Brooklyn should do in the offseason, Caddy? Obviously, the, the the relationship with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you know, is crucial. And, you know, you don't want to upset Durant. But how would you feel as Brooklyn heading into the offseason, looking at Kyrie Irving, what he's given them since he's come across? Would you be confident signing him to a, to a long, long-term big-money contract? Uh, probably not. I think you know you, you've hit the nail on the head a little bit with with most of what you said there, particularly you know the playoff numbers and also the the amount of games he's missed over the past couple of years. And we, we understand that you know him and KD effectively came there together to to build this thing up. And it, I, I think I'm not sure if everyone, but we certainly question just the personality types that they are, and you know probably the lack of leadership that they've probably you know been able to exude in their in their um, playing history. Uh, leading up to it, and just the fact that you know, just that they're a bit sort of old in terms of just their character, and probably not the guys that you really want to be building around a, a franchise. I think that's sort of come to come to be correct, particularly as we saw this flame out in the playoffs this year. So, I mean, Kyrie Irving again, like um, you know, fasting during the playoffs, observing Ramadan. I think it just and it gives a lot more kudos to how well Nikita Lajwan handled that in the past, and he was able to, you know, effectively play through that. I just don't. I think that really did have an effect on um, Kyrie Irving's production. He just seemed, just didn't seem to have the energy or the um, enthusiasm, you know, night in night out through this series to be able to perform at the level that he certainly needed to. So, look, I, I don't know what they can do here. Uh, you obviously mentioned he's got the player option into next season. Whether it's a you know a potential side and trade, they can pay him. The extension and then, and then look to trade him or whether they get off him or he signs as a free agent elsewhere. I mean, he obviously was saying um, most of the right things um, in terms of coming back, albeit, you know, thinking he's part of the uh, the ownership group effectively, which, which was interesting language. But, um, you know, he had said that before, before he departed Boston. He, he, he was saying he was going to be back the, the following year and, and he was uh, pretty quick to head to the airport after they got bundled out in the playoffs as well. So, look, I don't think it'd be the worst thing for... Brooklyn to, to cut the cord here. If we're anticipating that Ben Simmons is going to come back next year, he's already on big money for the following three seasons along with Kevin Durant. So they can at least you know, free up some cash by moving off Kev, uh, Kyrie Irving potentially and, and looking to reshape the roster. But it does limit them because you know they can obviously extend him, keep the, the bird rights and, and, and pay above their tax. Whereas if they let him walk, then they're not going to necessarily be able to, to maximise that salary um, as well. So, yeah, it's a really interesting uh, predicament for Brooklyn. But, uh, yeah, I think Kyrie Irving's um, yeah, got a bit of risk written all over him and I wouldn't be disappointed from a Brooklyn Nets point of view if they either let him walk or look to trade him uh, if they do sign an extension. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I would be doing. But I I just I don't think they will because I don't want to upset Durant that they seem pretty in lockstep uh, on that they really want to play together. So I'd, I'd be really surprised if they do train him. What, what about the Ben Simmons circus that we have seen, Caddy, pretty much all season really, but certainly over the last week or so, you know, he's targeting game three maybe, or now he's definitely targeting game four. It looks like he's he's going to be out on the court. I certainly never thought he was going to get out there. And I spoke with our, with our good mate Bear on the weekend. He's in our fantasy team just before game four. And I said, I don't think he's going to get out there. But what do you, what the hell is going on here? Is is Ben Simmons going to actually bounce a basketball at any stage? Or is he just is he just so far shot mentally that it's just, just a long way back from him? And we, I don't know if we've ever seen the last of him, but have we seen the last of Ben Simmons as an impact player in the NBA? Well, it's, he's got a long way to come back to start earning some trust. I mean, it was just a shit show, really, the whole past 12 months. And, yeah, I think um, 
I, I didn't have any confidence even with the, the talk that he was going to play in game four, particularly once they lost game three. It just seemed ridiculous that they'd bring him back out for game four. Um, there just didn't seem any any point of that to me. But, um, yeah, look, he's going to have to really ha- have a good hard look at himself and, and really find whether this is what he wants to do, be a professional basketball player and, and the responsibility that comes with it. But if he's mentally shot and he's just not going to be able to get back there, well, he needs to... You know, come to some sort of agreement with the team because that's a long, long time to be on, under contract and, and not be suiting up. So, look, hopefully for, for his sake and, and the, the team's sake um, and Australian basketball fans, in a sense that you know he can come back and start a fresh next season and, and hit the ground running from from the from the preseason. But um, yeah, I wouldn't even have any real confidence in, it, in any of that from what we've seen so far. Uh, I'll, I'll believe he's actually going to play again when I when I see him. Suit up. So let's say, Caddy, that you know they keep Irving. Simmons does somehow get back out on the court. You know they get Joe Harris back healthy. They could sort of run out. They could run out a lineup of of Simmons, Durant, Irving, Curry, and Harris. Now that that is almost unguardable. And you know maybe they they've got a well, the defense isn't great, but you can imagine how difficult that's going to be. Given that what we saw out of Kevin Durant in this series now. You know, full credit to Boston. The defense was outstanding. Jason Tatum did did a fantastic job. We saw Williams do some good work on him as well. Um, they, they really crowded him and rushed him, and it, and it was very rare to see Durant sort of flustered as we did. But he's now starting to get to that age, 33, turning 34, I think he is. He's had a lot of seasons now in the NBA. Is it time for, for Brooklyn to, to push all their chips in? They, they've got all these future first from Philadelphia, do they need to look to make another sort of win-now move in the offseason given that, you know, they've had they've now had Durant and Irving for three seasons. Now, obviously Durant didn't play it all in that first season, but over three seasons having these two supposed superstars, they've won one playoff series, which is last year. I don't know how much longer you can continue to be patient with this given, as I said, Durant's age. So in the offseason, Caddy, should they look to push all their chips in, use all these future firsts they got in the hardened trade and look to add somebody else who can help them, like maybe a defensive wing or definitely a defensive wing for me. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, they need to upgrade a lot of the roster. I mean, they certainly, the one player wouldn't say pretty much all year was Joe Harris. Now, that wasn't going to solve any of the defensive problems they had. Um, and, you know, some of the lineups they were rolling out late in, in, in these games was just, they had no chance of stopping Boston. It was effectively Kevin Durant. With, Blake um, Griffin was getting out Blake, there for God's sake, Kenny. Blake Griffin with Patrick Mills, Seth Curry and Kyrie Irving. I mean, they were never going to stop anyone. And, and you know, Bruce Brown's the other guy that, you know, probably took took the, the biggest step forward. And you now he's, you know, going to be a free agent as well going into the off season. So he'd be looking for a, you know, a significant pay rise, I would have thought. So, yeah, look, the roster's going to take another big turn, I think, um, whether they've got any, you know, enough of the right pieces to, to bring in anything of much significance, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I don't think they can roll it back with this group at all and, and think um, things are just going to get better if Kyrie and Kevin Drown are out on the field because I think there's so many tangibles that they don't have um, that are going to be necessary to compete in, in what is now a really strong Eastern Conference moving forward. It certainly is. And, and, and full credit to Boston, as I said earlier. We'll quickly touch on them. We'll probably touch on them a little bit more when we get into them in the next series, but what what an outstanding series to to sweep a team that, that had you know we've just sort of potted them a little bit, but some serious star power. Tatum took his game to another. He was actually the best player in this series, and now nobody would have thought that could be the case heading into the series with Kevin Durant. But almost thirty points a game, four and a half rebounds, seven assists, and just the outstanding defense that he did play on Kevin Durant. You know, Jalen Brown was good. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Williams, Tice, you know, they, they all chipped in. We saw Robert Williams get back in his series in the back end. They, they have been the form team of the NBA pretty much since the calendar turn. So, yeah, it probably wasn't a great surprise, you know, now that we look at all the evidence we had leading in in this series, but they are just in absolutely outstanding form. And, and for me, probably, the, not, not probably, I think they're the team to beat now, maybe in the whole in the whole NBA, given you know the injuries we've got with Phoenix and still a little bit of a question mark hanging over um, the Golden State Warriors for me. But what about for you, Caddy? How, how impressed have you been with the Celtics and where have you got them in the pecking order at the moment? Well, I think it's hard not to be really super impressed with with what they're able to do. And I, I watched uh, probably nearly three of these four games in, in pretty much their entirety. And the thing that just impressed me so much was their team defense. It was just, you know, with a guy, you know, offensively gifted players like, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they just had nowhere 
to go and no no room to breathe really um, through the whole series. The consistency of this team and the the, the team defense was just unbelievable, and they just made it so hard on on Brooklyn to, to get, find any groove at all. And um, that was the thing that impressed me the most was the defense. And I I think now um, looking at it, you know, we know that there's some you know obviously star power with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and they're just getting great support now from Marcus Smart, even not just from defensive side of the ball, but also offensively, he comes up big when he needs to. Al Horford, you know, veteran presence on the team. they got Robert Williams back in. Derek White's been a terrific pickup. So I think they've got most of the tools here to, to make a really deep run. And, you know, I, I think really, depending on what happens in the Philly series, I think, you know, Boston, Milwaukee, um, and Miami have really separated themselves now as the of clearly the three sides uh, in the East to be really fearful of. And they, they, for mine, are as good a chance as any to, to progress progress through all the way to the finals. They certainly are. As I said, for me, that they'd be my pick in the East and, and potentially even in the whole, including the Western Conference as well. So we'll skip over now, Caddy, to, to the 3 6 in Milwaukee versus Chicago. And last time we spoke, uh, it was Milwaukee who won the first game, and we saw the Bulls respond, Caddy, 114 110 in game two. And I had questioned whether we needed to be worried about DeRozan's uh, past playoff performances, but he was outstanding in game two with 41 points. Came back to earth in game three and four. It was Milwaukee, 111 81 in game three, and then 119 95 in game four. We've got game five coming up tomorrow, and unfortunately for your boys, Caddy, we've got Zach Levine. Out with health and safety protocols, he's definitely going to miss Game Five. We've also got Alex Caruso in concussion protocols, so he's questionable for Game Five. And Caruso was absolutely pivotal; he was outstanding. His defense incredible in that Game Two win. So if he's unable to take the court tomorrow, it's obviously going to be a massive loss for them. But uh, the, the big thing for me, Caddy, has just been Chicago's offenses just hasn't got going at all. You know, we spoke about how lethal the Chicago Bulls could be on the offensive end and that probably happened for a lot of the season but they've been the they've had the worst offensive rating out of all 16 teams in the playoffs so far at 94.5 which was actually 8 points worse than the second place the second worst offense which is Atlanta so I'm assuming they're going to get done pretty comfortably tomorrow, given who they've got out. I'm assuming, even though you're a Bulls supporter, Caddy, you'd probably agree with me. So what do you think the Bulls need to do, Caddy, in the off-season to take that next step? We, we saw them take a little step, a decent step anyway, this season to get into the playoffs, a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, nothing to sneeze at. But what do you think they now need to do to push up to be able to compete with a Boston or a Milwaukee or a Miami uh, heading into next season? Yeah, look, it's been a disappointing flame out for sure after, you know, an exciting game two win. And, you know, watching that uh, game three in Chicago, the crowd was at an absolute frenzy level, um, the first playoff game in Chicago in five years. And the crowd, I really felt sorry for the people that had forked out, I'm sure, big money to, to be there because they're all certainly up and about at the start of the game and, and pretty quickly snuffed out by um, again, just a, a swarming Milwaukee defence. And this is on the back of, you know, Middleton being ruled out from the previous game. So there was a lot of excitement around, that the, you know, the Bulls could be right up into their necks in, in contention to win the series. But that was quickly quickly shut out by um, by the Bucks, who, again, they were just like Boston. The defence was just absolutely incredible. And the Bulls just couldn't get anything going offensively. And DeMar DeRozan couldn't find his spots. Levine became quite passive, I thought, and then you know looking to give up open three point shots, and his confidence looked looked pretty shot as well. So look, I think moving into next year, you know, obviously they'll get Monzo Ball back, which will hopefully you know fix a couple of things. One's the you know the defense and the perimeter defense there, you know where where they were so strong at that with him and Caruso early in the season, and, and Patrick Williams. Um, you know, a really strong defender as well, but also the three-point shooting. And the three-point shooting, I think, is a real issue and, and, a, and a real uh, area of improvement uh, for the Bulls because, yeah, they just didn't have enough guys that can spread the floor and, and, you know, open up more space for some of their other players. So I think they really need to look at, you know, a, a high-scoring three-point shooter. Um, and, you know, hopefully, as I said, with Lonzo coming back, that will uh, uh, fix some of the defensive things that they've got as well. Now, they do have... Some trade bait out there, I suppose. If they were looking to do it to make a move, they got Vukovic, who will be on an expiring contract uh, next year. Uh, Levine's obviously a free agent going into this season, which I, you know, still assume that he'll, you know, look to re-sign an extension with Chicago. Um, Kobe White's the other one that you know could certainly be bundled up into a, a trade package as well. So, I think there's some, as I mentioned, some some players on the roster that will 
you know, could return something back if they're looking to reshape it. But they've had such a uh, hard year in terms of injuries and, and COVID and, and different things. I'd almost like to see them kind of run it back with what they have if they can just add a couple of shooters around the fringes um, to help help the offense. Yeah, well, that, as you said, being ravaged by injuries, ball was a huge out. Caruso missed a lot of the season. So it would be understandable if they did give it another go because that they were, you know, that the number one seed, you know, when they did have everyone healthy at one stage. So it would make a little bit of sense, I suppose, if they did give it another crack. What about the Bucks, Caddy? Have you, how impressed have you been? Is this, do you, Have they sort of elevated in your opinion of them or has this just been one of those series where you think they've got a pretty good matchup? You know, we've got the Chris Middleton injury at the moment. We're not sure how much longer he's going to be out, but certainly he needs to be back pretty quickly in this second round series that they're going to have against Boston. So what about Milwaukee caddy? Where have you got them in the pecking order in the East at the moment? Oh, clearly right up there. I mean, Middleton, I think would they'd want to get back, you know, as soon as the, the next series probably, but um, you know, they've been able to, you know, really cover him pretty, pretty easily. Bobby Portis moved into, into the starting lineup and they went really big <coughs> in that starting lineup um, against Chicago with Bobby Portis, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. So that caused all sorts of, Issues at the defensive end, and also, you know, Bobby Portis and Brook Lopez can clearly, you know, spread the floor and knock down open shots. And then the way Grayson Allen played off the bench uh, through this series, he's just been a, a, a huge pickup for them um, in terms of, you know, that three point shooting. He was just on fire uh, this series. So look, they've got all the ingredients for sure to, to get back all the way to the finals and, you know, compete for a championship. Look, I think the um, the competition's a bit, bit steeper this year, so they're going to have. Um, a tougher series, I'm sure, if they come up, which they will, against uh, the Boston Celtics, that's going to be an absolute rip, and that could easily be the Eastern Conference Finals, no doubt. So if that's the series which we expect it to be, um, yeah, that'll be absolutely fantastic to watch with two sides that are, you know couldn't have been any more impressive in the first round. Yeah, I've got a bit of a question mark on, on their ability to, to score against this Boston Celtics team. Just get, if Middleton's out, then no chance, even with him in. I think it's going to be a big question mark. So that is, a, as you said, could potentially have been a, an Eastern Conference uh, finals matchup. So I'm really looking forward to, to how that one shakes out. We'll move on now, Caddy, to the 4v5 series, the Philly v Toronto. And it was uh, Philly that, that took the 3-0 lead sorry, in Game 3, 104-101. But we've seen Toronto respond since they won Game 4 in Toronto, 110-102. And then in what was a pretty disappointing outing for Philadelphia, 103-88, Toronto won that. So it's in it. It's a really intriguing series. We've got some injuries. We've got Embiid with a torn ligament in his thumb. He's going to play through that, get surgery in the offseason, but it looks like it's certainly affecting his rebounding at this stage. Uh, friend Van, Fred Van Vliet missed Game 5 with a hip injury. Now, the numbers were suggesting that he was hurting uh, surprisingly, Toronto more than, than helping them just because he was so limited on the defensive end. So maybe it was a bit of a blessing in disguise that Van Vliet went out of the went out of the lineup, uh, and and we saw him them hold Toronto, sorry, uh, Philly to eighty eight points in Game Five without him. And then we've got James Harden doing his typical James Harden stuff in playoffs, shooting thirty seven percent from the field. So this for me has gone from a series that looked like it was over after the to Game Three to one that I could definitely see heading to Game 7, given that we've got uh, Game 6 tomorrow in Toronto. So what about you, Caddy? Has this series flipped on its head for you and you're now looking at Toronto as a favourite, or have you still got enough confidence in Philly that they're going to be able to get the job done? Yeah, this has been a really confusing series to, to get a read on, and it's kind of been pushed back into the, um, I suppose, the uh, what we've been watching with the Boston-Brooklyn series taking probably so much of the attention. Um, so this has, yeah, been... One that kind of snuck up on people when Philly got out to the three 0 lead, it looked like it was all all going to be over, and Toronto were headed for a, a pretty swift exit. Uh, but as you mentioned, yeah, it's, it's gone totally the other way, and um, big question marks again now on, on Philadelphia, and the pressure is going to come here in Game Six in Toronto, where the crowd again will be going absolutely bloody ballistic. I'd imagine they're yeah, looking to push this to a Game Seven. Now we know there was an injury to Joel Embiid; I think it was a finger, um, so they can't be feeling. Um, Terrifically good, I don't think. Um, Matisse Thibel came back into the lineup for Game Five, but you know really struggled and hasn't had you know clearly any impact now in this series all the way through. So they're sort of lacking the numbers now. I think um, Philadelphia, from a depth point of view, they're not getting anything really from their bench. 
And uh, as you mentioned, James Harden not giving them sort of max level production <laughs> for a guy that's looking to sign a humongous extension in the off season. You know, and certainly not doing his cause any favours at the moment. So yeah, they, they've got to have to find something here. And I, I would have thought if really they need to kind of try and win this game six because I think if Philly, uh, if Toronto can win the, the next one, I'd almost back them to to go all the way and win this in seven, which would just be a, a hugely incredible result. I agree. I, I think if they win tomorrow, <coughs> which I do actually think they will win, so I'm predicting Toronto is going to get up from get up from here. Siakam's been outstanding. We questioned his first few games in this series, but his last two, he's started to play like the, the All NBA player we we've seen uh, throughout the season. OG Ananobi defense on Harden's been outstanding. Scotty Barnes is now back in the lineup. So j- just with that Van Vliet, they're just throwing out you know pretty much everybody's. You know, six eight or six ten, and just the length is really bothering uh, Philly. So, as I said, I'm predicting Toronto to win tomorrow and then actually take this series out. W- which way are you going at the moment? Do you think Philly will close it out tomorrow, or do you think Toronto will win tomorrow and then Philly will get the job done at home? No, I'm going to go for, uh, Toronto in seven here. I think yeah, it'll be history making to come back from three nil down. <laughs> but um, I just love the narrative. Um, and the off-season talk that'll happen around Philadelphia if they get um, if they lose this series, it'll just be be huge stuff. With Doc Rivers them. blowing but, another series when he's been up. Uh, it'd just be unbelievable if they if they lose this, and you know that all the talk around Harden and Simmons for the for the year if they ended up that they're both Philly and um, Brooklyn out in the first round, it would just be unbelievable. But um, I mean, it's still a huge task for Toronto. Look, hopefully they can get Van Fleet back in the lineup um, as much as you know. There's probably some some concerns defensively around that, but um, yeah, it's great that Barnes is back in. Yeah, Gary Trent's given them, you know, after we spoke last week about he'd been a bit off, but um, he's come back in and playing well. So you know they've got everything going for them now. Toronto and yeah, this as I said, this home game in Game Six, I'd expect them to win, and then really, yeah, who knows in Game Seven? I'd love to see Toronto get up here and and, and make their way to the second round. I just want to see James Harden in a Game Seven again <laughs> to see if he can actually produce. For once in his life, but yeah, I'm the same. I'm I'm going Toronto in seven. We're going to swing over now, Caddy, to the West and and the first seeded Phoenix Suns taking on the eight seed New Orleans. So it was one all last time we spoke. Game three, in what I did predict, Caddy, a Chris Paul masterpiece was Phoenix one fourteen one eleven. New Orleans bounced back at uh, at home one eighteen one oh three, where we just had uh, Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado just pestering the absolute bejesus out of Chris Paul, and we saw. Uh, Herb Jones incredibly blocked three three point shots, which you know you're lucky if you see one in one game. He's done three of them, so that was that was an incredible uh, game by Herb Jones. But it, predictably, I suppose it was Phoenix that bounced back today in Game Five, one twelve ninety seven. Chris Paul, who struggled with his shot in Game Two, in Game Four, sorry, only had the four points. He bounced back with twenty two points, eleven assists, and Mikael Bridges. Who, who was a guy that we did identify needed to step up in the absence of Devin Booker, had thirty one points. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was also pretty good with 19 points. So do you think uh, Phoenix Caddies should be able to close out from here? Even though, you know, you know, I'm a huge Chris Ball fan. Oh, I've got my concerns about how much Jones and Alvarado are just getting in his face and, and the amount of wear and tear this is putting on him. And at his age, even though he was able to produce today, whether he's able to do that, you know, game after game, that would be my biggest concern. It wouldn't surprise me if... The Pelicans won Game Six, and I would expect Phoenix to close it out in Game Seven. But how do you think this is going to go, Caddy? Do you think Phoenix will close it out from here, or do you think New Orleans still have one more game left in them? Oh, look, I think Phoenix are going to kind of try and stop the rot here and, and close this out in, in Game Six in New Orleans, which won't be any easy task. I mean, <coughs> they've been a terrifically um, capable eight seed so far. They've really pushed Phoenix all the way here, and. As you mentioned, the wear and tear putting on some of these players. I mean, Mikael Bridges had 47 minutes in, in today's game. And, you know, that's certainly not what they were probably hoping for leading into the series. They would have liked a much easier um, cushion into into the next round. But, uh, look, I think, you know, the way they close things out today, I think if they can carry that momentum into game six and look to really yeah, shut the series down and, and try and move it forward. And um, But that's no discredit to New Orleans, who have, as I mentioned, been been really, really good. And... and Certainly put some, you know, put their seeds in for next season to be, you know, a team to watch. Absolutely. So now I'll go Phoenix in six. I think they can close it out in the next game in New Orleans. Yeah. Well, as you said, they're definitely going to be pushing for that. I'd, Devin Booker, we still, <laughs> we still don't have a, a timeline on on when they're expecting him back. So 
they, they would certainly like some rest, no doubt. You, you sort of brought up the minutes there, and, and Bridges has played a lot of minutes um, right throughout his career. He's, I don't think he's even missed a game in his career or, or something stupid like that. So, yeah, that, that's it's not uh, not unusual for him to be an Iron Man. But I, as much as I would like to close it out, I, I'm predicting a New Orleans win in uh, in Game Six and. You know, we've seen Brandon Ingram has really taken a step up, hasn't he, Caddy? He's he's been the one that you know has sort of had the he had that KD sort of everyone compared him a little bit to KD when he came into the league, but he he really stepped up throughout this series, and I'm expecting him to have a big game six tomorrow and extend this series out to game seven. Another intriguing series, Caddy, that's going on at the moment, and we had game five today is the the, the Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Memphis Grizzlies. So game three, it was the Grizzlies 104-95. Game four, we had Minnesota 119-118. And then today, just an incredible finish to this game. It was it was Memphis 111-109. Ja Morant had 30 points, 18 of those in, in the last quarter. And he threw down, Caddy, I'm sure you saw this on Twitter, probably one of the greatest in-game dunks you've ever seen over Beasley, just cocked it back and... And the elevation and extension he had on that was just unbelievable. But just just the ending of this game, I just want to highlight a few players. So there was there was Towns had the ball with about forty seconds to go. They were down, and it was just a comedy of errors. He dribbled it. He dribbled it off. Um, I think it was a Minnesota player's foot. Turned the ball over. Morant picked it up. Came down the court. Tried to throw an alley oop that was never there. It got intercepted. Minnesota actually grabbed the rebound. Uh, they knocked the ball out of their own hands. It went back to Memphis and they scored. So they were up by three. And then just a beautiful timeout play caught up, uh, which got a, an open three-pointer uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. It was it was beautifully done. Edwards knocked down the three. That that tied the score with about five seconds left. And then the, the inbounds play to Jar Morant and just, a, just an absolute brain fade for me anyway from Anthony Edwards. He overcommitted. Try to try to reach in and steal the ball, and it just opened up the lane for Jar Morant. And as we know, once Jar Morant gets downhill, he's very difficult to stop. And he had a clear path to the to to a layup. And as I said, they just couldn't stop him from there. So all Edwards needed to do was not overcommit, stay you know goal side or ring side of of Morant, and make him at least beat him off the dribble. But he overcommitted, went for the you know the millionaire play for the steal, and just just gave an open layup to. To uh, Morant, so so two really disappointing losses from a from in, from a Minnesota perspective. They were up by twenty points twice, I think, in Game Three that they dropped to Memphis, and then even today they led for pretty much the, the whole game. And to to drop another one here, this is one that if they do lose this series, they're going to be looking back on. But so so, what do you think of this series now, Caddy? It's been as as I said, just an incredible series. How, how do you think Game Six is going to shape out? Do you think Minnesota? bounce back and get it to Game 7, or do you think Memphis are able to close it out? <laughs> yeah, it's been probably the most fun series, I think, out of all of them so far, and, and so unpredictable. I mean, when you're looking, I didn't watch the game live, but following the box scores today, you sort of felt that Minnesota were going to get the job done here and, and really you know, almost cause the upset in the series going home in Game 6, but to Memphis's credit, they were able to hang in, and, and as you mentioned, you know, crazy ending there with Jar Morant <laughs> at the end to get the win, so Look, I, I think um, Minnesota have played well enough and have enough, you know, youthful e- enthusiasm. They can go home again here and extend the series. I think I predicted it to go to seven when we chatted last week, so I'll stick with that. And uh, um, you know, the credit to Memphis for fighting back and finding a way to win today when things clearly weren't going their way uh, for the most part. It was a um, pretty character-building win, I would have thought, and it should give them, you know, m- enough momentum. But yeah, I think Minnesota. The way they're going, um, you know, I think they've got one last crack in them here to push it to Game Seven. But I'd expect Memphis to get through inevitably. But um, yeah, hopefully we get the Game Seven here that we probably deserve for this series. Yeah, well, if Minnesota are going to win Game Six, they need to get Towns more involved. He's the one sort of constant for them. That if they can get him the ball, he had twenty-eight and twelve today. But even down the stretch, there was a few plays where he was just standing. He knocked down a big three with about a minute and a half or so to go. But the few plays before that, it was just Edwards sort of isolating and taking some tough contested jumpers, and Towns was just standing out at the three-point line. So I'd like to see them get you know Towns way more involved than what we see. You just look at the stats. He's actually third in teams in, in, in field goal attempts per game. It's Edwards at 17, 
D'Angelo Russell, who we spoke about last week, not having a great series, 13 attempts a game, and then Towns at 12, which is ridiculous. And we did see him have a, a really poor game in Game 3. He only attempted a, a handful of shots. But I would like to see him be way more involved in the offense. And from a Memphis perspective, Jaron Jack- Jackson Jr. has just got to stay out on the court. He's only averaging 22 minutes a game. He fouled out again today, only playing the 17 minutes. He continually gets himself in foul trouble. And he was... He sort of, you know, had a bit to say after they they announced a defensive player of the year, and, and he was disappointed that he wasn't sort of higher up in the in the pecking order or for that for that award. But you've got to actually be out on the court to be considered for defensive player of the year. He's an outstanding defender, and that's why he is so important uh, to to the Memphis Grizzlies. But he's just got to be way more disciplined. It's just it's infuriating to see him getting fouled out, you know, as early as he is. So. Yeah, they're the two for me that that I, that we need to see a little bit more out of from each team, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Carl Anthony Towns. But as you said, it's been an outstanding series, and and certainly Game Six is going to be one that uh, everybody's looking forward to, and hopefully for for everybody's sakes, it can uh, extend into a Game Seven. Another series we got that we probably think is going to close out tomorrow is the Golden State Denver series. It was Golden State one eighteen one thirteen in Game Three, but it was good to see. And we spoke about this last week that we didn't really want to see Denver being swept because it's probably more than likely that Jokic is going to win the MVP. And you could you could imagine Twitter sort of going bananas if if Jokic got swept. So it was Denver one twenty six one twenty one in Game Four. Jokic was massive thirty seven points eight rebounds and six assists. We also saw Monte Morris chip in. He had a nice little floater late in the game, 24 points, 5 assists. And Eric uh, Aaron Gordon uh, finally came to the party with 21 points. So any chance, Caddy, do you see this at all of getting to Game 6 or do you think it's going to be that typical gentleman sweep by Golden State? They win the first three. They take their foot off the pedal a little bit. Uh, interestingly, late in that game, we saw an out-of-bounds play for Golden State. Uh, they threw a lob to, to Wiggins to try to win the game. And we had Jokic, who was on the bench. He'd, he'd been roasted in the previous possessions defensively. He was actually calling out from the bench that they were going to run that lob play. God knows how he knew what they were going to do. They did They did actually mention after the game in the press conference that Golden State had ran that play on them earlier on in the season. But for me, an interesting thing for Steve Kerr, maybe he's just experimenting. He's being arrogant, if you want to say that, experimenting to see if they can run that play late in a game. But when you've got, you know, Curry and Thompson... Uh, certainly on the team, and Jordan Poole, you reckon that you know Wiggins is probably your fourth option, not not your first option. But anyway, h- how do you see this series, Caddy, going now? Any chance we get the game six, or do you expect this one to be closed out tomorrow? Oh, I think you probably expect they'd have to close it out. They were so dominant at home in the first couple of games. Um, yeah, great that Denver were able to get the win to extend the series. But I think yeah, if you're looking at the you know the the way that the Warriors were able to play at home and the the crowd support they got there, it was the first time that arena. Had really experienced some, you know, high level uh, playoff basketball. So it was good to see them that in full swing. And um, yeah, look, I think there's some still some issues for the Warriors that they need to probably get on top on top of as the um, postseason progresses. But I think for now, um, you know, Denver have probably thrown their best shot at them in that uh, game four win. And I think um, yeah, with the minutes limit now coming off Steph Curry, I think that sort of gives them a little bit more flexibility with what they can do with their. Line up and rotation, so I didn't expect them to. What do you think they're going to do with their starting lineup, Caddy? Surely Curry. I said this last week. Surely he doesn't continue to come off the bench. Does he come into the starting lineup for Looney and they go small straight away, or or is it you know Jordan Poole going back to the bench despite the fact he's been so good throughout the postseason? Yeah, I actually think it's the latter. I think they you know the Jordan Poole thing has been exciting, but um, you know he'd be the first to put his hand up and understand that there's a pecking order here in play and. Um, you know, Clay Thompson would probably be the more obvious one to come off the bench, but I think they like him in the lineup as well. So I think, yeah, they won't lose much by replacing Paul with Curry, and then you know that that uh, death lineup or the three G lineup will come into play pretty quickly with Looney. Not going using three G caddy, I said that last <laughs> week. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'd expect Curry to come in for at the expense of Paul, but um, yeah, that's certainly you know not going to affect Jordan Paul's overall minutes. I wouldn't have thought. I think he'll get. You know, the, the, the same amount of burn that he'd, he'd normally have is just, you know, in a different situation, no similar to where, um, you know, Curry's done for the, the first four games. So, yeah, Warriors for me to, to get through and progress into the next round. So what about the off-season for the Nuggets? You know, we obviously we're expecting Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. to be in the lineup next season. Where do you think this puts them in the pecking order? For me, 
last year before Murray went down with his injury. I, I thought they were probably on their way to winning the championship. Now, obviously, the landscape has changed uh, considerably in both the East and the West. Uh, so for you, is it as simple as putting those two back in the lineup and they're going to be right there in the West with a Golden State and Phoenix? Or do you think they need to try and add something as well as getting these two stars back in the lineup? Yeah, I don't think they have a lot of choice, really. I think they've got to, to wheel it back. I mean, it's only Jokic who's going to become a probably an expiring contract next year, and he's in certainly no danger of, of getting shipped out. So, um, no, I think they, they'll they bring it back with, with the guys that they've got here. Hopefully Murray and Porter Jr. are fit and healthy. They can come back in and, and let this team, you know, at least have a crack of what it what it could have been these last couple of years. I think that's the, the least they'll do initially is to, to run it back and, and see where they, they stand in the pecking order and then look to make some moves after that. But um, as you mentioned, I think if they get Porter Jr. and Murray into the lineup that they've got, it's going to be really strong and a great regular season team. They're always going to be hard to beat at home, and then hopefully translates into a you know a deep playoff run at the end of next season. Well, let's hope they can finally have a bit of luck with injury because you know we, we've spoken about it before. Uh, Jokic in the prime of his career, probably back to back MVP, and both those years have been soured by injuries to his teammates. So fingers crossed, both Murray and Porter Jr. get back out on the court and they can play it somewhere near their, their absolute best. The last series now, Caddy, to touch on is the Dallas Mavericks versus Utah, a very interesting series. It was Dallas uh, in Game 3, surprisingly, 126-118. Then it was Utah uh, in Game 4 responded when we saw Doncic get back in the lineup and we, we saw Donovan Mitchell actually throw the ball, surprisingly, Caddy, an alley-oop pass to, uh, to Rudy Gobert to win the game 199. And we thought, well, hang on, maybe these two do like each other. They can get back on track. But it was a very disappointing outcome for Utah in Game 5, 102-77. Doncic right back to his best, 33 points, including 19 in the third quarter, where he just totally took over. Also the 13 rebounds and five assists. Heading into Game 6, Caddy, there's a question mark over Donovan Mitchell. We saw him limp off uh, late in the game with a hamstring, a hamstring injury. Apparently the MRI came back clear, but there was also some reports he's got some bruising in his quads. So clearly if Mitchell gets out on the court, he's not going to be 100%. And he's He's, you know, honestly had a pretty disappointing series when you when you look at what he's done in past in past playoff performances. Is this the end for Utah tomorrow? Not only for their season, but you'd imagine a very busy off season for them. But do, do you think there's any chance of of extending this to a game seven? I'm saying tomorrow. It's actually the day after on Thursday, Friday our time. Do you think there's any chance of extending this, or do you think they're pretty much cooked now? Oh, there's obviously some chance. I think it's been. A pretty um, even series, really. It's been, you know, hard to get a read on because of, you know, obviously the Doncic injury and then some surprising results at the at the start of it. But, um, you know, didn't look good with Mitchell hobbling off at the end. And, again, questions asked with some of these coaches when they're up, you know, it was 28 points, I think it was, with four or five minutes to go. It just seemed ridiculous that both teams had their, their stars still on the court and risked, you know, risked what potentially could have been a, a more serious injury. So, um Look, you know, if Mitchell's out there, they, you know, there's some chance. I, I think they're, they're probably cooked, to be honest. Um, you know, they're just not getting enough out of guys like Bogdanovich consistently through the series. Um, Go Bear offensively still not getting, you know, the touches I'm sure he, he'd like. And, yeah, I think that, unfortunately, as a former Utah fan, um, I think the ship sailed on this iteration. Former Utah and, fan? I, I've, oh, big cut. I've Big never heard that. Did you, you, were you a mailman, man? Were you? I was a mailman, John Stockton man from um, my just yeah, in, just enjoy just enjoy a good pick and roll uh, sort of uh, <laughs> backboard layup, do you? Yeah, no, it was just the I don't know why I gravitated to them as a younger fellow, but yeah, that's who I supported all the way through to probably really the um, early two thousands, and then yeah, jumped ship and got onto a, a really battling Chicago franchise um, that were looking at a, a rebuild around Elton Brand at the time. So oh, um, Big EB just got you excited, didn't it? <laughs> which is, um, yeah, then, then it was the Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler years. But um, no, no, uh, Utah initially for, for, you know, my first 10 or so years supporting the NBA. Interesting. Oh, that, that's a fact I did not know about you, Katie. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's as you said, it's been a really hard series to, to, get, a, to get a read on given, you know, the injuries and, you know, you mentioned Bogdanovich hasn't he? He'd been okay into the last game, but he, he's expending so much energy. You know, guarding Doncic. You know, that, that's so that's certainly contributed to his his down game in Game Five. But j just this relationship between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert for me, it, it 
despite the fact that we did see the the alley from Mitchell to Gobert. And it was a bit of a – they did a sort of a run and jump bump, as you usually do, but there wasn't much going on after that. And Gobert, for me, I mean, we know, as I said this last week, he's not Wilt Chamberlain at all, but the fact that he's just, just been – frozen out almost of their offense is crazy. There's got to be a way that we saw it in that play. You know, you must be able to generate some sort of, you know, alley-oop threat for Rudy Gobert. So for me in the offseason, I think they lose tomorrow and I think it's a huge offseason. Which one of these stars, Caddy, do you think is shipped out? Do you think it's Mitchell or do you think it's Gobert? I think it's probably Mitchell. There's a lot of writing on the wall about he wants to be in a big market and we've seen New York beat a couple of these games. Now, he does have the the relationship with Dwayne Wade, who's, who's a part owner, and, you know, we've seen them. Looks like they're pretty close. But for me, I think Mitchell will probably demand a trade and, and I think this might be the last game we see him play for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, look, I think that's where the noise is, is around Donovan Mitchell uh, for certain. I mean, both him and Rudy Gobert have got the, those huge extensions that are on, on the books, but I think they'll have a lot easier time moving on Mitchell than, you know, even getting someone to take on um, Rudy Gobert and what you get back for him. So I think at least with Mitchell, you could be able to package up a number of players to get to the salary or at least, you know, get another star level player um, back in, which is what they effectively will need to do. But um, yeah, really interesting off season for sure. And, you know, they've been a really solid on a side for the best part of three or four seasons now. And they just haven't been able to get over the over the hump, I don't think, um, to really compete at the, the top end of the, the conference. But, um, yeah, admirable effort. Quinn Snyder's a great coach and he'll continue to be so. But, uh, yeah, I think it's time for a change and a fresh look uh, for this team. Well, it's certainly looking that way. So, yeah. Do, do you think this is done tomorrow, uh, on Friday, Caddy? Is that what you're predicting? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think um, the Mavs should take care of business at home and um, in, this, in the series. Yeah, I totally agree. So we're going to call it there, Caddy. Just an absolutely Herculean performance from you battling on through through the illness. You, uh, you gave us your best, Caddy. I think you were, you were still pretty good. You put up a put up a triple double. You might you might have uh, not maybe not as effective as you. you your PR just slightly down, but uh, but well done, mate, for battling through and giving the fans what they want. A few more turnovers than normal um, tonight, but um, yeah, I'm sure the the. Uh, Avid listeners will appreciate that uh, they've got some content for their morning commutes tomorrow. They certainly will, Caddy. But so as I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts yet and given us a five-star rating, please do so. We've also got the Facebook page where we post all the episodes. So if you like the page, you will know when a new episode drops. Until next week, we'll talk to you then.